with your teachers to your class. Okay, if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Philippians. I'll be reading in a moment. Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. Holy Father, allow this spirit, the spirit of worship in our midst, to continue. Continue over your word. To continue over the way that we hear your word. Actively. Excitedly. Hungry. We are desperate children. For that good grace. And so through the cross of Christ who paid for our sin and our justification and our sanctification, do it, O Lord. Amen and amen. Okay, so remember last week here in Philippians 3 has led me to just kind of sit here for three, four weeks on the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. This is week two. If I were to summarize that in one sentence, the doctrine of perseverance, it is this. All true Christians will persevere in faith to the end and finish the race and be glorified in final salvation. And we saw last week, I filtered that through Paul here to start with like a coach in a track meet or a marathon, telling his player or players, press on, you're slowing down. No, no, keep your head forward. Do not look back. Keep running. And then we spent the most of our time in the book of Hebrews, where the Hebrew church was, unlike years earlier, they're starting to walk. Some are starting to sit down and the Hebrew writer is like their coach saying, press on or else you've got to finish the race. And if they will hear him and respond, they will finish the race. In other words, what I see throughout the book of Hebrews is what I see in our passage, verse 17 to 21 of Philippians 3. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. 
and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. The logic of this passage is simple. Verse 17, imitate me and others who follow the pattern. What pattern? The pattern of verse 7 to 16. Summarized this way. The pattern of persevering faith. Then verse 18. For, why is that important? Because there are two paths. Negatively, many in the visible church will end up destroyed. Verses 18 to 19. Positively, not us. We're citizens of heaven. We wait with patience. We endure, continuing to look to Jesus Christ in the future resurrection. And so this morning, again, I want us to look at some of the nuts and, and the bolts of the importance, the need for, and the essence of persevering faith to the end to be saved. And so I want you to turn again to the book of Hebrews. I'm going to begin in Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So verse 14, it reveals their problem. They are now in a place where they're not ready to hear sound, meat, solid food, doctrine, teaching, depth. The author wants to teach them. <laughs> you can't take it because it's solid food and solid food is for the mature but they are not mature and he says what that means 
they have grown dull of hearing. Now why? What happened? Verse 14 gives the answer. They have stopped practicing. And thus, they don't have their powers of wisdom, of discernment, trained to distinguish what's good and what's bad. Good, evil, wise as opposed to foolish. And so, he wants to, he just wants to unfold the glories of God to them. And he says, you can't even understand what I'm saying. Because the way you, the way you hear and the way you live. It's not an IQ problem. It's a moral problem. They are not very skilled, not mature. In seeing and in, in acting upon the difference between good and evil. How to negotiate life as a professing Christian in this present evil world. They have just lapsed in this. They ought to be by this time morally alert, sharp. Discerning in, in their own life, in their own battle of sin and decision making. But they're not. And he tells us why. It's because they're not like others who are mature, who by, verse 14, constant practice. They grow in their ability to discern, to decipher good from evil. Got to get this. When it comes to the church world and receiving biblical exposition, theological training, there is a moral readiness to receive it, not merely intellectual. Heart that has not grown dull of hearing. And these Hebrew Christians seem to not have this moral maturity anymore. As they negotiate their professing Christian lives, it's like everything's fuzzy. Like when your windshield is so dirty that the people write on it, right? Please wash me. And it's like, and then the sun, you know, you hits you and you're going toward it in the afternoon. It's like you can't even see anything. And they live life. It's fuzzy. It's dull. They're dull. Of hearing the, their faculty of discerning in life as a Christian, they're like an infant. Again. See, verse 13 there, it means that they have not taken the word of righteousness and have been exercising the word in their lives. They've not worked out. They just show up at a track meet and they don't practice. They haven't worked out the moral implications for their own life 
concerning the teaching of the Word of God in the local church. And so they're not ready for meat, for steak. Remember what Paul said in our passage in Philippians 3, verse 16. Think about it. He knows everyone's not the same place. That's his whole point here, right? But he does say this. If you're true, God's going to reveal this to you, okay? So if you're true, you'll, you'll finally get this. You'll grow a little bit. And you start to mature. And he says this in verse 16 of Philippians 3. Only, now at this moment, as he writes to the, the whole church there, only let us hold true, in other words, live up to, what, in other words, understanding we have attained at this moment. That's what the Hebrew writer is saying. If you just hear, don't practice, you're going to shrivel up. You can even get a bunch of head knowledge, but it ain't penetrating. You're not maturing as a Christian. And when back here in Chapter 5 of Hebrews. She writes to them, these are professing, baptized Christians. And he, look, he admits to them, I've seen fruit in chapter 6. Look, God's not going to forget your work and your love towards others and your service. He's not going to do that. So he sees that. He's got a lot of hope for them. But now in this passage in chapter 5, we read that they're immature. They're unable to make moral distinctions and decisions that come with training and practice in the word of righteousness. So what's he now? The coach. Because there's a race of perseverance to run. What can he do to help them? First, he, he gets in their face and says, get up. Secondly is, what can he do long-term for their career as a track star? He lets us know. Okay, you got to change some patterns of how you're living your life by not practicing, by not working out, by not exercising, in order that you will grow stronger for the endurance race of the marathon. And thus stop what we saw last week, drifting backward. They have begun, as he said in this book, to neglect this great salvation. Which has to at least mean something in their soul wakes up and just like, doesn't feel great anymore to them. So the, so the first thing Coach Paul does in, in, in chapter 3 is, what does he do? It's what coaches do. Press on. Let's keep running. Keep going. I'll see you at the next mile marker. Go. Run. The perseverance of the saints means that there's a lot of Christians, and we will all experience it as Christians to one degree or another. We all of a sudden find ourselves drying up, neglecting God, neglecting the Word, neglecting wisdom and discernment. And we find ourselves sometimes drifting down the river of the world 
instead of fighting upstream by the Spirit. And that's what's happened to them. They've lost the cutting edge of discernment. And so Paul would say, keep your eyes on the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Focus. The Hebrew coach says to them, here's an exact quote from him, chapter 3, verse 1. This is what he says. Consider Jesus. In chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, he says, Let us run. Keep running. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You're not there yet. You haven't crossed the finish line. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here it is again. How? How do you do that? By looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. He crossed the finish line. He is now seated at the right hand as a human being, right hand of the throne of God. He says to us, his athletes, the risen Lord Jesus is the sure thing. He's the rock. He is the foundation. Continue. You got your eyes off him a little bit. Get him in view. Focus in prayer over the Holy Scripture where He is found. In other words, He says, stop. Focus. Look me in the eye. Okay. Be vigilant. Go on. It's okay. It's okay. You're good. Look. Look to Jesus. Fix your gaze upon Him. The cross of Jesus is sure. He Himself is your intercessor. The new covenant is absolutely guaranteed. Justification by your faith is rock solid. So fix your attention on Him. Coach, He gives commands. The great coach, our resurrected Lord, gives commands. The Bible, Moses is filled with moral law, Jesus' commands. They're all reduplicated and spelled out in the New Testament. That picture of, I'm on your side. I want you to win. I want you to finish the coach of the Hebrews. Those are commands. But in the Christian life, that's how the commands are to be heard. This is why the Apostle John says, I don't understand professing Christians who think God's commands are burdensome to them. Because if the Spirit is in you and you're justified by faith, they're not a burden. 
There you there, That's right, I want to run. That's what I do want. Thanks for reminding me again and again and again and again. That's what the commands throughout the New Testament are. Finish the race. No, don't do that. Stay up till 5 a.m. in the morning and, and be in a drunken stupor and, and, and eat 43,000 calories and then think you're going to race in three hours. That doesn't work. I'm on your team. So what does a coach then say to his athletes in the persevering faith? Paul's an example. He says it this way in 17 to 19 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Brothers, here's, this is imperative mood. Command, join in imitating me. And, and other Christians like me who, who walk according to this example. Persevering faith, looking to Jesus. Keep my eye on the prize of the upward call of God in Christ not looking for any of my own righteousness, but no, I trust in only the Lord Jesus' perfect human righteousness on my account. And I run. That, that, that's, that's what he says. And he says it's crucial because many, let me just, so if you just make it clear, here's Ecclesiology 101 in six seconds. There is the church. Paul's still a part of it, and so is Peter, even though they're long dead. It's the invisible church. Everyone in that church is saved and forever will be saved. Then there is the physical, visible church on earth. By definition, not everyone in there is saved. Paul knows this, and this is why he, 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 he's, about, he's in tears trying to say it. There's so many now already. I've often warned you guys, Philippians, you know, and they got doctrine, and many of these are teachers. I told you with tears they walk, live their lives as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their end is destruction. That's how that coach stopped. In other words, when you got that negative there, I mean, the negative is, you know, you want to finish the race. Of course, okay then. Don't be like that and not finish. In other words, he says, join this way of life. Imitate me and imitate others who are well trained in persevering faith. Or, in Hebrews, just flip over a few more paragraphs to chapter 6 for a moment. And look how the Hebrew coach says it to his runners. Verses 11 and 12, chapter 6. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but you would be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What are we to imitate in others? The perseverance of faith to the end. 
which inherits the prize. Notice in verse 12, there are three steps ongoing. Faith, patience, to the finish line. The inheritance. Faith is the foundation which leads, therefore, until you're dead, to patience. Because most of the promises will not be had in this life. We await. Therefore, patient endurance. Enduring a life of faith, obedience, pursuing holiness. It's not perfection ever. It is direction in the walk, in the run. Notice how that same pattern shows up again in Hebrews chapter 10. Flip over there for a moment. Chapter 10 verses 35 and 36. Therefore, hear the coach, don't quit. Don't, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Same thing. Faith, patience, inheritance. Don't throw away your confidence. Confidence, it is Faith, it's what it is. God has promised through Jesus, here's the gospel. Look at those promises which were yes and amen in Him, in the cross, purchased. Don't throw away your confidence in that. Your faith in that. Because that has great reward. Now, you have need of endurance, therefore. To what? Could continue in faith. Endurance so that when you have done the will of God. That is, faith practices obedience to the coach. Practices repentance. Manifests fruit. So that you will receive. What is promised? That just use their singing to Jesus. It's like that helps me even listen to the sermon. All the better. I did hear it this time, guys. These are the same three steps in chapter 6, verse 12. So that through faith and patience, that is patience in doing the will of God, you may inherit the promises. That's chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Let me just flip the logic around. Just do it backwards the other way. So you just hear what he's saying. He's saying, look, I want you to inherit the promises to get the prize. Okay, so therefore what? Don't give up the practice of obedience and holiness. Be patient in it. Okay, I want to do that, but... I get tired. Where's the strength for that to keep me going? He says, the strength of that 
is in the development of your obedience of faith or what he calls in chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, your assurance of hope. That's it's another way for him to say faith. He defined it, right, in, was it chapter, what is it, chapter 6? Now faith is the, the assurance of things hoped for. He says that's what it is. And therefore, the command, be earnest to maintain strong faith. In other words, seek to have full assurance of hope in the gospel that drives your life because that'll drive your endurance. That'll drive your obedience. Okay, that's his message. Seek it. But there is one more layer to that in the book of Hebrews. He doesn't just say do it. He gives the how. He says, I'm your coach. That's what good coaches do. They teach you how to practice well in order to play the game. They give you prescriptions of what to do. And so does he. And what we need a prescription for is how do I Maintain earnestness in a full assurance of hope boiling up in me, which is the power to endure or to start the answer to that question. You just stay right there in chapter 6, verse 12. Because he names the enemy of full assurance. It's called becoming sluggish. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be you would be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know what it is to be sluggish. Whether you're in school doing homework or in an office, mornings go pretty well. Then you go eat lunch. And then you come back and you you don't know if you're going to make it until it's time to go home because you're just sluggish. Your body's sluggish. Your mind gets sluggish. It's just get tired. I'm, I'm worn. Sluggishness is the enemy to full assurance of hope. And here's the key for the book of Hebrews. That word that is translated sluggish, it's nothroi. It is the exact same word the Hebrew writer uses in chapter 5, verse 11, which is translated dull. About this, I have much to say, and it's hard to explain to you because you have become 
dull of hearing. Sluggish of hearing. This very dullness, this sluggishness in chapter 5, verse 11, that's the enemy. A full assurance of hope, which is the energy and the gasoline to persevere to the end. Therefore, the antidote to this dullness, sluggishness in hearing the word of God, the antidote to that is the prescription for full assurance of hope. And chapter 5, where we started, of Hebrews, verses 11 to 14, is precisely the prescription for Christians to persevere in the fullness of hope in order to endure to the end and get the prize. These believers have grown dull, sluggish of hearing the word of God. And we know why. He told us why in verse 13 and 14. They have not been training. They have stopped training their powers of discernment with a regular practice in distinguishing good from evil. And this means that the faith that they claim, the Christian doctrines that they say they believe in, it means that that's one thing, but they have not been exercising them in their life. They have not been taking the truth the glorious teachings and doctrines of God in the Scripture and doing with them what they are designed to do, and that is to cause you to come and love Christ and God more and more. They're designed to create and sustain a life of worship, adoration, and a pursuit of holiness, a joyful life of faith. So when you don't exercise them, we know what happens when we don't exercise our physical body, our limbs, right? They atrophy. They shrivel up. They may even die and need to be amputated. So it is with faith. It grows with use, and it dies with disuse. Faith at its core, the endurance of faith, persevering faith, is designed for each Christian's ongoing, obedient relationship with Almighty God that produces in us the fruits of righteousness. That's what faith is. The chapter on faith, Hebrews 11. That's what he does, what he does. He says, look at faith. Look at Abel. Look at Abraham. Look at Moses. Look at Caleb. Look at Isaiah. Look at the women of faith. His whole point is, by faith. By faith. By faith. Well, by faith what? All throughout. By faith, they did. By faith, they did. 
their powers of discernment of what should I do here? Shall I just let the government of Canada tell me not to have church? Whether people agree with Pastor Coates or not, one thing I think you'd be very careful of ever doing is challenging whether he belongs to Jesus and what he's doing is by his faith in Christ to go to jail for a month. And now this morning they're hiding out somewhere having church anyway because they put fences around their building, but they can never fence in the church. That wasn't in the notes. Now I totally lost my place too. Where am I? What was I saying? By faith they did. Hebrews 11. Thank you. They did. They did this, that, and the other. By constant practice. To have their discerning faculties mature. To discern. How to live. And what this means. Though. And what the Hebrew writer is saying. Is it is very possible for churchgoers to hear. Here and here and here and here and never internalize and do. And as a result, they become dull of hearing, bored with the Word of God, bored with the glory of God, bored with the logic of God given through text in Scripture. And the coach, he yells, Take with dead seriousness what you today hear. You know, Coach Jesus said it, right? There's hearing and there's hearing. Be very careful how you are hearing what you're hearing. And so the lesson has become and continue to become more and more mature so that you will be hungry and ready and excited for solid food. Hear the coach. About this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Because everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Because he is a child. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, just one more thing, just go with me here. Suppose someone were to say, we have a lot of dull hearers in evangelical Christianity. 
or in our local church. We've just got a lot of dull hearers. In other words, they can't stomach solid food. So I got an idea. Let's develop styles and methods for reaching them and keeping them. Therefore, let's definitely get rid of expositional preaching. Where, where, where the preacher on a Sunday morning would say, focus your eyes now on black marks on a page. A text. Oh, I'll never use the word text. All that rings to them is school. So, so don't say that to them. Don't train them in that. No, no, no. Because they don't have an attention span, particularly in our day of how many characters on Twitter the shortest, there you go, thank you. You were too slow, Alex. Right. I know they raised it or something like that. No, they don't have the attention span, so we need to change as coaches. They have no desire. They don't have an ability to think longer than eight and a half minutes with a linear thought in an argument. So let's develop something new. Instead, let's just create attractive programs that don't take their starting place from the gospel, from the biblical text, but takes its starting place from their human felt needs. And they, that's what they want anyway. They'll be excited for that. They'll come to the table to eat that. And so in our helping them reach their desired needs, then we'll throw in a whole bunch of Bible verses and it's Christianized. And that would be terrible if anybody ever did that. But see, the reasoning goes, if there are so many people who don't like straightforward biblical Christianity, solid food, well, then let's just ask them what they would like. Like bad, well, no. They'll just ask them what they would like and give that to them. And we'll make it easy enough in, in our little talks that we can feed infants with a bottle. And then we'll plant more churches like this. And we'll try to influence other churches who, who, who are frustrated because they're losing people and they're shrinking and maybe we're going to stay alive. And we'll even give them these great programs we've already started. And of course, the sermons will always be towards what the natural person feels. That's what I really need. Now, most of you know, some of you might not, the youngers, I don't know, but for the last 60 years, this philosophy has formed a good segment of American evangelicalism. Now, there's numbers of people in this church who have gone to one of the major Christian universities in the area. And you, and you find some strong Christians over there at Biola, and you'll find lots of others. And you're thinking, what happened to them in these two or three years by the time they're 22 and have nothing to do with Jesus? And, and you realized where they were and what they knew and what they didn't know and how many of them were raised their whole lives in those kinds of churches. Now, here's the point with perseverance. That philosophy 
to, to, to draw that conclusion. You cannot eat solid food, so let's do this. It is deadly to the perseverance of church-going people. Coaches are not to cater to the sluggish athlete. They're to help the sluggish athlete. To help train them so they're no longer sluggish. So that they can then eat solid food and have the energy to endure to get the prize. And 40 years of Christianity, I will tell you that I have found that when people, got to hear me very carefully, when people, that is when genuine, Jesus-loving, because they're born again, people, even if it's been years since they heard it, all of a sudden they run into a restaurant of the Word of God and hear a steady diet of biblical truth. They grow accustomed to enjoying it. They grow accustomed to loving the glory of God. And thus they develop very little craving now for the new fads that rise up within evangelicalism. When you've been on a diet of steak and potatoes, it's hard to go back to the liquid diet of milk. And so I close with an exhortation to all of us. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if in anything you don't, you think otherwise, and you're a genuine Christian, okay, it's okay. You can trust Him. God will reveal that also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so, sovereign grace, let us continue to persevere. Because all of us, all of us have need of endurance. And so, Father, it is into your hands by the power of the Spirit purchased by the blood of Christ that we, as we saw last week, rest our practicing and persevering into that great truth of the preservation of the saints. For Lord Jesus, our trust in you as our shepherd is that because the Father has given us to you, you will lose none of us to the glory of your name.